0: I love being a pastor Um, I'm so thankful that's the call of God on my life and um, I have tasted of God's grace and being a pastor is not without challenge but I'm so glad it's a call and I first think I first started to recognize the call I was in fourth grade I had a broken leg from playing baseball kid slid into me in third base I'll get him no no, I won't (laughs) And um, I was standing on the wrong, wrong side of the bag, so it was half my fault. But I was at a commission then at a baseball game, my little league baseball game. My stepdad was the umpire. My mom was the scorekeeper. We were just all there. And for some reason, my grandma was there. And before we left her house, I took this book because I wasn't going to be able to, to play. And it was a book by Oral Roberts. And, I, and our family, we weren't in church none at all and um, we were practicing heathens and um, but I'm sitting there at this ball game and I just started reading this book a little bit and I turned to my mom I mean, there was just some connection there between God's word and something and I told my mom just out of the blue I'm going to be a preacher and she said okay that's great you know And we went on. And for some reason, I was just marked in that moment. And and I'm I'm very grateful that that's what I get to do. I get created by God to do that. And I enjoy doing that. But you need to know that parts of it are very, very hard. But there's a grace that goes with it as well. And there's some things that I love doing. And then there's other things that... It's like, and I need God's help for all of it. Then there's some things. It's like, Lord, if you you you've got to help, you've got to help. And th- this would be one of those things. The tragedy that we, uh, you know, all suffered this week, and we suffered at a great distance uh, with this tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut, and it's super sad, and it's it's further sad because there's children, and then it's. Also sad because there seems to be more and more of this going on um, in the world today. So I want to take just a moment before we get into our message on incarnation today and share some things that I believe God has put in my heart for us today. As I have and you have watched some of the newscasts and read some of the articles, the recurring question continues to be why? And I get that, why? Why? Why did this happen? Why here? Why them? All of those things. The question why. And I just want to maybe direct you that maybe there's a better question. And our questions kind of reveal where we're coming from. They reveal our perspective and our vantage point. And perhaps, perhaps the better question to help us understand is not why, but who. Who. And let me go on this just for a moment in Ephesians chapter six, we read in scripture that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness in this world. There's a hierarchy of evil. You've got to understand that. And then here's something very telling. Jesus said in John ten ten, he said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so I think we do well to look and see not just the why the why kind of gets filled in a little bit when you understand the who that there's a, a very dangerous and a very evil enemy in our world today there's sin there's a devil there's evil and understand this our world is broken our world is broken our world is depraved and evil and because of that then hurt people hurt people And man tries to fix his broken world, and he should. Um, We always try to do that, try to fix what's broken, and man will try to do that. But listen to me. Man cannot fix this broken world. Man can't fix this broken world. And what he'll try to do, and I don't want to be political for half a second, but this is the nature of it. Man will try to fix our broken world with laws. And so you're going to hear a lot about laws. You already are. You know, in a time like this because that's, that's natural and don't be hating anybody for doing that that's just the natural response we have to fix this and the best way to fix it that man knows outside of a spiritual perspective is we've got to have, we've got to have a law we've got, pe- people have to stop this and so there's going to be talk of gun laws and mental health laws and reporting laws and all those kind of things but at the end of the day you're going to find that it's not a law issue it's not even really a gun issue on the same day In Beijing, China, in a school, 22 children and a teacher were attacked with a knife. And so behind whatever it is, gun, knife, whatever, it's the who. And the who is very evil, steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm sorry, but not you, not me, not any political party, government, or law is going to be able to fix those things. We cannot fix our broken world. But we can help people get saved in this world. And the answer is God. People have to find God. And in times like this, thankfully, what was meant for evil, God is able to in those times, people start to seek God. And that activates something that when you what you seek, you will find And our prayer needs to be is that people will find God, that they'll find him in their pain, that they'll find him in their questions, that they'll find find him in the chaos, the evil, and the depravity that's part of this world, that that they would find him, that they would seek him. And we need to be a part of just helping people to seek God and helping people to find God. Just a few things. Weep with those that weep. That's scriptural. Pray for one another and pray for others who... Not able to muster a prayer for themselves. Realize that God and time are the healers. Feel it, but don't despair. It's okay to feel it. I always just kind of keep track in myself. And if I'm feeling down or off or something in myself, I always question it. I don't just say, well, that's the way I am today. I always question, what's bothering me? Why do I feel this way? And I told Alicia um, yesterday afternoon, I said, must have been a dozen times yesterday, I would just feel this, you know, let out a big sigh and just kind of, and, and feel like, oh, what, what is this? And it would go back to this, this horrible thing that has happened. So, it's okay to feel it, but in feeling it, don't despair. Trust God. Be careful, but don't be fearful. And there's a difference. Be careful and don't be fearful. And hug your kids. Hug your kids and hug one another and be good to one another. Love each other and pray. And when you pray, pray. Don't pray a weak little prayer. Pray. And when you pray also because we understand the who behind the why and the what. We understand the evil. And there's evil in the world and spiritual darkness in the world. Pray this specifically, to that that copycat spirit would not be loosed and free. You need to understand that the church of the living God, full of the Holy Spirit, while we're here in the earth, part of why we're here is to hold back lawlessness. And we have to be aggressive in prayer, strong in prayer. And for our community and for our nation, where there needs to be this wall of prayer that that happens. And we're called to be a part of that. And then lastly, and then we're going to take a moment to pray and hear me clearly on this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The children of God are led by the Spirit. And day in and day out in a perilous world, in uncertain times, you and I need to be led by the Spirit. And your very protection might be at stake by listening to the Holy Spirit or not. And ask him every day. Hook up with him every day. Stay in communion with the Holy Spirit. And there may be times that he would warn you of things or direct you and instruct you and that kind of thing. We've all had those times where we felt held up or we felt an urgency to do something or reach out to somebody or um, why is this person on my mind? Call them. Check on them. Listen to the Holy Spirit and follow his leading. He is here to help us no matter what would go on in the earth. Amen. And we're going to share some good things out of the word, but I want to take a moment here and, and let's pray. Let's pray concerning this. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you're a comforter. Jesus, you introduced the Holy Spirit as a comforter and the helper, and we need both. And beyond us, Lord, the people in that community of Newtown, Connecticut, we lift them up today. We thank you that there's no distance in prayer, and we ask that by the Holy Spirit and by people filled with God, would minister your grace, your peace, your love, that they would reach out. Thank you that you hear our prayers. And God, I just pray that while people are just devastated and numb, as their hearts start to warm up a little, I pray that they would seek after you and I know that if they seek you, they'll find you. That real deal believers be infused throughout this whole situation and bring comfort And I thank you, God, that you'll help and you'll cover. And in the name of Jesus, the strong name of Jesus, we bind up that lawlessness and that copycat spirit that that would not spread in our nation. And we speak peace to our nation and peace into this, our fair community and peace into our homes and into our lives. And we thank you, God, that you're so faithful. And now as we turn to your holy and written word, We just thank you that your word gives us life and it gives us light and it gives us comfort and it feeds us and it fuels us. And as we come to understand it, it causes rejoicing in our hearts. And we thank you today in Jesus name and everybody said, amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Well, I want to share with you this morning about incarnation. And whenever um, I minister a message, I have a couple goals in mind. Um, to make sure this happens. First of all, there's things that we have to come to know. You should always learn. I hope you do. Are y'all here? That we always should come to know something, but also that we should come to do something. You know, there should be some action, some application with with any message. And so today we're primarily going to focus in on knowing something or maybe seeing something a little more clear. And then as a result of that, it's going to affect how we do some other things. Part of it has to do with how Christmas is defined. And if we're not careful, and by the way, did I say Merry Christmas to you? I believe I did earlier. If we're not careful, we will define Christmas by the things that are just a part of Christmas. And you have to be careful of, of, of doing that. And we tend to do that with a lot of things. You know, Florida is palm trees. Well, how many of you know there's a lot more to Florida than palm, yes. palm trees, you know? And so Christmas is not just boxes and bows and presents and shopping and songs and cooking and decorations. Those are all part of it. And family. How many of you know family's part of Christmas? Yeah. How many you know that's not always good? <laughs> okay. And then there's parts that are real good. Um, I'm just real blessed by my family, and incidentally, speaking of family, Alicia mentioned it's my oldest son's uh, birthday, but it's also my youngest son's birthday. There are bookends, so my oldest, Lee, is 27. My youngest, Gabriel, is 13, and uh, we got got them on the same day there. So that's kind of a, a 14 years apart, but that's kind of a cool deal. Eh? Isn't that? Um, but family. At Christmas, you know, that's part of it as well. Let me share this with you real quick. This, this elderly gentleman, he got on the phone. He called his son. His son lived in another state. He said, son, your mom and I are getting divorced. He said, 45 years of misery is enough. We can't stand to look at each other. And I can't stand to hear one more word with her voice. We're getting divorced. And he said, and uh, call your sister and tell her. Talk to you later. So the son's all upset. He lives in another state. He calls his sister who lives in yet another state. And he gets her on the phone. And he said, dad just called me and said, they're divorcing. She goes, no, they are not. And he said, that's what dad said. And they are not. You and I, we're families. We are flying down there. We're going there. We're going to talk them out of this. This is not going to happen. So make your arrangements. We're flying tomorrow. All right. She hangs up, calls dad. Dad. My brother called me, told me what's going on. You guys are not getting divorced. I don't want you to talk to a lawyer. I don't want you to file any papers. I don't want you to do anything. We are all flying down there and we will be down there tomorrow. All right, I'll see you then. Hangs up the phone, turns to his wife. Hey, honey, kids are coming for Christmas and they're they're paying their own way. That works. Got to outsmart him sometime. <laughs> well, Christmas, you know, when I was growing up, Christmas, and, and still, I mean, it's just a wonderful event. Uh, and it's so wonderful. The celebration of all is so wonderful. That's, that's why people get caught in the periphery of it sometime and, and kind of can miss the core of it. And, and for the life of me, I can't understand that people don't like Christmas. And there are some folks, and and typically there are folks that, and and I understand that the holidays sometimes are a time where people be depressed because of loss and and so forth. And and that's a little more understandable. Then there's some that are just against Christmas. And typically it's because they don't believe in God. And uh, this past week I read that in Times Square, a group of atheists spent $25,000 to get a digital billboard in Times Square, Crossroads of America, of the world. And uh, it has in the top portion of it, it's huge, has in the top portion of it a picture of Santa and it says, keep the Mary. And the bottom portion is a picture of Jesus on the cross and it says, drop the myth. And it's offensive. And I think sometimes people think because we're not passive, but we're, peace, we're, we're peaceful. And so because of that, and our leader is the Prince of Peace, people just push a little too far. Well, we don't have to push back because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against. It. And he said, one, one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. And who knows if the antichrist himself is somewhere in the world already? Cause we're, we're moving on, on the time timeline. You understand that? But at least Scripture does reveal to us that the spirit of Antichrist, Antichrist, anti against Christ is that is loose in the earth today, and um, so I think we do well to look at a few things this morning. I'm going to do my best. Um, we've had a full service already, but I need to cover some things with you this morning. So lock in with me on this. I want us to really clarify some things. What really is Christmas? Why do we do all of the things that we do? And let's dial in and clarify a little bit. Let me give you my definition after a lot of thought and a number of years. This is a definition I use for Christmas, okay? Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into our world. Christmas is the celebration. Everybody say celebration. Of the entrance. Say entrance. Of our Savior. Say Savior. Into our world. And so it is a celebration. That's where a lot of people get lost. But we need to understand what that celebration is about. And that celebration is about the entrance of our Savior into our world. And notice the word entrance because that's huge. Because entrance, get this, Christmas, and I've just got a couple of symbols here for us here this morning. Christmas makes no sense without Easter. And Easter, and I wish we had a tomb because that kind of, an empty tomb, because that kind of completes the, the symbolism. And Easter is very, very, very dependent upon some certain things being true about Christmas. So I want to look at all of this here just for a moment. And let me just cut to the chase with First 1 Timothy 1.15. And it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, get this, Christ Jesus came into the world... That's Christmas. Christ Jesus came into the world to what? To save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. How many of you might, would possibly be a assistant chief? Okay. (laughs) All right. But it's Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, follow me carefully on this. In order for what the man Jesus did on the cross, in order for this to matter then it greatly matters who really was in the manger. I'll say that again. In order for this to matter, what happened here, what Jesus the man did on the cross, in order for that to matter, it greatly matters then who really was in the manger so that brings us to this whole concept here of incarnation the word incarnation is not in scripture but the concept is it's a theological term so we're going to go theological here we're going to go a little little bit deep on something but you're going to leave this place feeling so smart i may feel smarter already just say incarnation Incarnation. say theological. theological see listen to you guys John 1 14 says "And the word became flesh. That's what incarnation is in flesh. The word capital W Jesus became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. And so this is incarnation. This was God entering the human realm. Jesus born. And I love the video that went with, with uh, the song Christine ministered to us there. Um, God entering the human realm. Jesus then was born as a first century Jew. He had a name. He had a hometown. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He grew up in a carpenter's home. And because of who he was and because of why he was here, he started doing things. He started walking on water, calming storms, healing the sick, helping those that Uh, feeding the hungry, helping those that were tormented, raising the dead, even conquered the grave himself. But rather than just list all of those things, we need to go a little bit further back and see what's going on. And instead of just incarnation, I want to go further back to pre-incarnation. So we want to come back before The manger. And this is huge because if all the rest of this is going to make sense and the cross beyond to us and beyond that, for that to make sense, we're going to have to go back pre incarnation. And this is huge. Everything else stands or falls based on something back here. And that's what we want to look at here just for a moment. Now, his birth in Bethlehem, get this statement, was not his beginning. His birth in Bethlehem was not his beginning. In John 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was God, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You need to know that capital W there, Word, this is Jesus. It's it's one of the titles for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Amplified Bible said he was present originally with God. The New Living says he existed in the beginning with God. So his, his birth in Bethlehem was not his beginning. Understand this. He never began. He always was. Okay, let's stop just for a moment here. That does not compute. You know, because we look at clocks and calendars and all these little things that we measure... And things that we can understand or not understand. And here we have a God who's greater than we are, yes. bigger than we are, yes. knows more than we do. Right. And he didn't begin. What do you mean he didn't begin? He didn't begin. He just always was and he always will be. Amen. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega, He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and He's the last. He had He had no predecessor, He had nobody to precede him, he had nobody to follow Him. Okay. You clap because you believe. And there are other people, and don't be hating anybody, but there are other people, because we're trying to understand this. You ready? We're, we're trying to understand this with our brains. And your brains are, everybody do this, and weave your fingers together. It's important that you do. This is the approximate size of your brain. Make the necessary adjustments. I saw several wives bump their husbands on. Okay. So if you're only going to look at something, follow me. If you're only going to try to understand something like this with this, then you'll say, drop the myth. But it's so much bigger than this. And that's why we have to believe. And there's joy in believing. And it's not just fantasy and it's not myth. This is something incredible. But he never began. He always was. And he came to be one of us while still being what he always was. And the infleshed word, if I, if I can put it that way, the infleshed word that came and was dwelling among us, it was actually the eternal word that has always dwelled with the Father. Now... Pre-incarnation is huge. Follow this. Because everything else stands or falls on Christ's pre-existence. His pre-existence. Let me, let me read you another verse here. In in John 8, verse 58. It says, And he said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Another spot, he said, I will go back to where I was Already. And talking about heaven. And he was with God in the beginning. He was there at creation. He said before Abraham was, I am. That's reference back to Mount Sinai and Moses saying, Who shall I say sent me? Who's with me? He said, I am. All caps, I am. And he's the eternal one. And, and now he's the one pre-existent of Christ that he comes. He's always has been. Get this. His beginning was not in a manger. That was his entrance. That's when he put on flesh. And it's so vital that everything else prior to this, we've got to have some understanding on that, or this doesn't matter, and then that will never matter. And so his pre existence, his pre incarnation is huge. Because if his beginning, follow this if his beginning was the manger, if that was his beginning, he lied. He's not eternal. He's not God. There's not a trinity. And the cross doesn't matter. So let's move on to incarnation here just for a moment. The word put on flesh. The eternal word put on flesh and came and dwelt among us. Again, incarnation meaning in flesh. The second person of the trinity... The eternal son of God put on flesh and get this, not just skin, but he put on an entire human nature, a body, a mind, emotions, a will. He put on all those things and yet he did not cease from being God. Get this, he did not cease from being God. God, through his son, put on flesh and he did not cease to be God. He became the God man. In Matthew 1:23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, and get this, get this, go slow on this, God with us. God with, just like us, God with us, Emmanuel. In the Old Testament, there were various brief appearances of of some divine... being and some visible form the burning bush angel of the lord there's about 20 or so old testament times where it's attributed to an old testament appearance of jesus but you have to know this was not his beginning because let me say it again for this to matter what jesus the man did for the cross uh, for us on the cross for that to matter then it really matters who this was in the manger This is not two people in one body. This is not a human body and a divine person. Uh, You have to have a body. At least you used this phrase earlier. Your body is your earth suit. And and so this was one person, Jesus, the eternal word, with now two natures, divine and human, yet without sin. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Follow me on this too. In the Greek, it pulls out the fact that he, he emptied himself, limited himself of his divine privileges. Keep that in mind. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form or the nature of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, it's like this. He limited himself regarding his divine privileges. Follow this. If you had a guy who was the fastest runner in the world, how many of you know a lot of y'all are faster in your mind than than you really are? And it's been said that the older we get, the faster we were in our minds. We tell our kids, man, I'm telling you, they called me lightning. And your wife says, no, they didn't. Let's take a guy and let's say he's the fastest guy in the world. Fastest! Nobody close. And he comes to a church picnic and they do a three-legged race. Well, in the three-legged race, here he is and now he's tied to another person. You follow me? He's still the fastest guy in the world. He still possesses all of that speed, but he has voluntarily and temporarily tethered himself and limited his ability. For this race, for this purpose, for this event, he still got it all. Amen. Come on, I said he's still got it all. But he limits, he limits that outer expression of the full ability of what he has for this race. And that made him a faithful high priest. He said, I've been there. I was in that race. I was with you there. I put on flesh. I felt everything that you felt and yet I was without sin. And what, and what that does, it brings us to this. In every way, he had to be like us except sin. Hebrews tells us that. And then Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, sent by the father, became fully man and yet remained fully divine for this reason. So that he could be the mediator between God and men. So that he could be, follow me, so that he could be the mediator between God and men. Many people died on the cross. There were horrible stories where the Roman army would even crucify people down the road. Sometimes hundreds, even thousands of crosses down a road and light those crosses on fire to light their road. Many people have died by crosses and it didn't affect us and it didn't help us regarding our eternity. So whoever is going to be on this cross, they have to be something Different. And Jesus came, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, sent by the Father, took on the form of flesh, remained divine, fully divine, so he could become our mediator. A mediator is the go-between. They resolve the conflict. They reconcile the differences. And a mediator has to be acceptable to both parties, God and men. Look at this in 1 Timothy Chapter 2 says, for there is one God. Everybody say one God. One God and one mediator between God and men. Follow this. Look at it. Who? Say it. What? Then one more time. The the man, Christ Jesus. I know some of y'all think you're the man. Let me tell you what. He's the man. But in every sense, get this though. The man, Christ Jesus. That's who our mediator is because God put on flesh, remained divine. Now he qualified to truly be the one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That brings us back to this. Christ Jesus came into the world. That's Christmas to save sinners. I'll say it again. In order for what the man Jesus did on the cross, for that to matter, then who this was in the manger really matters. Let me read out of Luke. Actually, I'm just going to kind of quote it for you for the sake of time. There was a man named Simeon. He was just. He was devout. The scripture says the Holy Spirit was on his life. And God had promised him that he would not die. He was getting up in years. He said, you will not die. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He said, you won't die until you see the Messiah. You won't die until you see him. And one day, Scripture says he's led by the Spirit. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. Yes. You better be. Led by the Spirit to go to the temple. And when he goes to the temple, who's there? Mary and, Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus. And they're bringing him for dedication. They're bringing him for some very important things. And he asks for the baby, and he takes the baby in his arms. And so follow me on this. He's holding the baby Jesus, and he cries out to God. And he said this. Now, I have seen your salvation. Now, I have seen your salvation. The baby in the manger is the salvation of the world. And because he is who he was, then this matters. This matters. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christmas. Everybody say Christmas. Is a celebration. Say celebration. Of the entrance of the Savior into our world. Now get this. It's the entrance. It's not the beginning. And see, you know something now because y'all are theologically smart. No, no. Beyond that, you know that it just didn't start there. The God Almighty The eternal Son of God, second person of the Trinity, sent by the Father, put on flesh, came and dwelt among us. The same one who eternally dwells with the Father came and dwelt among us and lived that life and stopped storms and walked on water and did all those things ultimately to get to this place and to do what really, really mattered for the rest of us. That is why we celebrate the entrance because of all that happened. Christmas doesn't make sense without Easter. And Easter is dependent upon the truth of who that was in that manger. Christmas is a celebration. Wait, 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 one second, one second. Christmas is a celebration. So look at me, church. Then celebrate. Celebrate. With with all of it. Why do y'all decorate? Decorate. Celebrate. We're celebrating. And when we shop for other people, did you know this, that when you give, when you give to somebody, when you're, you're being very much like God, he's thinking, what do they need? What would bless them? What would make them happy? What, what is it that they, that they really need? And when you do that, you're being like God. Celebrate. When you're having meals together, when, when you're with family, when you're singing, you should turn the volume up. Uh, Alicia and I drove to Tampa the other day and we had Christmas music on. I drove, I'm telling you what, it was so loud in that place. In, a, in our car, just driving down there. She would just sing it and just loud. And i go, Can we turn it down just a little bit? And she, No, I like this one. And you turn it up. And, you, and And do you know what she was doing? Celebrating. Celebrating. And we're not just celebrating. Well, I'm waiting for a Christmas twinge and we like those. Or I hope I get this. Hey, don't make it about all the things that are just part of it. Get right to the heart of it. And here's what it is. It's a celebration of the entrance of our Savior into our world. So I'm going to say it to you again. Celebrate. Celebrate. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you.